Welcome back to our High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, we're celebrating Ryan and how God is moving in her life. Last Sunday, she was baptized at our Brandon Outpost and it was a beautiful celebration of her faith in Jesus. Way to go, Ryan. This high five goes out to you today. In at number four, this summer, we had a total of eight residents exploring full-time ministry, growing in leadership, and experiencing a variety of different ministries. Thank you for serving to help connect to God, His people, and His mission. This high five goes out to Alyssa, Gabe, Brooke, Rachel, Elizabeth, Micah, Mallory, and Derek. If you're a young leader called to ministry who wants to explore the possibility of this program, visit church.one slash residency to learn more. Here at number three, registration for our fall semester of Rooted is open and many people have already signed up. So now is your chance to embark on this 10 week discipleship journey with them. In walking through Rooted, you'll come to know God for his character, experience the power of prayer and discover freedom from life's strongholds. Register now at church.one slash rooted and high five to strong roots in God's love. Up at number two, last week, our Franklin Outpost and friends came together at Trestleview Park for a night of worship. Over 60 people joined in, including a few kayakers. Just before the evening kicked off, Angela declared the work of Christ in her life and was baptized. It was a beautiful celebration of her faith in Jesus. High five, Angela, and high five, Franklin. And finally, up at number one, we're celebrating the seven baptisms our Bedford Outpost experienced this past week. This high five goes out to Deidre, Melody, James, Tristan, Rosa, Maya, and Kaylee. We're so excited for how God is working in and through you. Thanks for joining us for our high five, and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. I was doing the Life of One Church, and I'm getting the Luke, you're muted sign right there. There we are. <laughs> but it's amazing. Like, it's not just here in Franklin. It's all over. It's all over New England. It's all over the world. Wherever people are watching the online services, God's doing amazing things. And I can tell you one thing is for certain. We're not done here in Franklin either. God's not done here in Franklin either. He is going to be doing amazing things through his people to go out and share his love in amazing and tangible ways to reach the most people in his kingdom in the shortest time. We come across different times in life where we might be asking ourselves a lot of am I questions. They often come at, at crossroads, maybe a new chapter that we're beginning in life. We can ask am I, and it's like am I qualified to do this? Am I smart enough? Am I rich enough? Am I capable? Am I the right person? And then there's some times of doubt too of, am I a good parent? Am I a good child? Am I a good spouse? And we get deeper still into maybe our, how we're feeling emotionally. Am I alone? Am I forgotten? Am I cared for? Am I loved? We can hit all of these I am questions, and then we start to doubt, and maybe we start to hear some of the different voices in our head and in our life that might be saying something to us. See, the, the story of Moses, he comes to one of these crossroads here, one of these am I questions. In the life of Moses, he was born an Israelite. 
He is an Israelite, but he was raised in the house of Pharaoh, Egyptian royalty. So here he is living with Pharaoh, learning their ways, but then one day comes where he, he kills a guard of the, Egyptian, of the Egyptians. He kills an Egyptian guard. And then he has to flee into the wilderness, and he is brought in by a family of shepherds. And the Bible says that he's been doing that for quite some time. He's been out there. The Bible just says a long period Moses was out there. And this is, start, this is how he's starting to see himself as, as a shepherd. Then the crossroads moment where Moses is asking, am I, is one day when God reveals himself to, Mo, to Moses in the form of a burning bush. And God says to Moses, Moses, go back to Egypt and free my people. Go back to Egypt and bring my people out of captivity because God has not forgotten about them and God wants to go in and change their lives. But now here's Moses asking, well, 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 who am I? I'm just a shepherd. Am I really the one you want to send? Am I really gonna be able to do this? Am I even gonna be able to speak to the Israelite people? Who am I to even say, sent me. All these am I questions that he's coming up against, and then here's how God responds to him. It's Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. It's up on the screen behind me. Would we read it together this afternoon? It says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Moses is wrestling with an MI question. And sometimes that's all that we can see, whether it's through doubt, through a hardship, through something that we didn't anticipate in life either. He's wondering, am I? And God's saying, I am. We focus so much on the MI questions that we sometimes miss the I am statements. At one church, we have a communal prayer, something that we ask everyone that's connected to one church to pray every day. It's pray for one. God, please give me one person to share your love with. Now here is the sticky situation with pray for one. Is God's gonna answer yes. God's gonna say, yeah, you wanna share my love with somebody? Here's somebody to share my love with because it's an expectant prayer. You see, God wants people to be in relationship with him. God wants everybody that you know, everybody in your life, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your family, everyone you know, God wants them to know him, to know his love fully. And that means you as well. God wants you to be in relationship with him. Because he's going to give us that one person to share his love with, we're going to come up against some am I questions. Am I really qualified to be doing this? Am I eloquent enough to share God's love? Am I too young? Is my time not come yet? Am I too old? Maybe I missed my time. Am I really the person? Am I the one that God wants to use? Is it supposed to be me? Am I really the one right here in this moment to share God's love with this person? And God's response to all those MI questions is going to be, well, I am. God answers all of our MI questions with just saying, I am. 
I am the Lord your God. I am the one coming to you to change your life so that you may have life to the full. And anyone that says otherwise, any of these other voices that come in when we ask these am I questions, see anyone else, that's a false shepherd. That's someone that's trying to lead us down a different path. Instead, we get to look to the true shepherd. We're in John chapter 10 today, and Jesus is going to be using a lot of shepherd imagery. So I hope that you have brushed up on your sheep knowledge today, Franklin. If not, no need to feel sheep-ish. It's going to be okay. So we look at this story that he's sharing where the sheep are in a pen. The sheep are in a pen and that anyone that comes into the pen that is not coming through the gate is a false shepherd, which makes sense. Because if it's the true shepherd, they're going to be coming through the gate. There's no need to crawl over and go through it by covert means. They're going to be using the gate, and only the shepherd uses the gate. And the good news for us is that there is only one gate. Anything that comes from another direction are voices of fear, are voices of worry or anxiety, pain, frustration. They're not coming from the true shepherd. And so to give us some backstory with John chapter 10, first we look at John chapter 9, which makes sense when, with how numbers work. You see, in John chapter 9, Jesus healed a blind man. He came to this man that everyone knew was blind. Everyone knew him in the town as being blind. His story was written. But then here comes Jesus who's saying, no, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to change your life showing that he is the light of the world and in him there is no darkness, that he is the light of the world and he comes and he meets us in our blindness. So Jesus comes and he shares how he is the light to this blind man. Jesus picks up the dirt, he spits into it, makes mud, puts it on the blind man's eyes, tells the man to go and wash in a pool and he does and now he can see. Story's pretty gross, we can admit that. And this is a beautiful story, but there's a group of people that took offense to it, and that would be the Pharisees, the religious leaders that were tired of Jesus, tired of what he was doing and saying. But here in this moment, they thought they had him trapped because, you see, when Jesus healed this man, he was working on the Sabbath which was a big deal back then. Jesus going down and picking up dirt, he was now working, he was, he was tilling the soil. So they're like, that is work, he is a sinner. We're discrediting him. That's Jesus guy that you're following, he's a sinner. But still some of them said, well, if he's a sinner, how's he doing all these miracles? So they're questioning each other and they wanna to get to the bottom of it. So they bring the once blind man, now seeing man in front of them and they say, what happened? Who is this Jesus? That healed you, and he has the most honest answer. The now seeing man has the most honest answer. Very simple, he just goes, well, I don't know, but I know one thing for certain. I was blind, and now I see. Just straightforward, and the Pharisees don't like that, so they bring the guy's parents in. They say, was this guy even blind? Was he just faking it the whole time? They say, he's of age, ask him yourself. Kid, good luck, basically. And the Pharisees ask him again one more time, who is Jesus? How did he heal you? And he says, well, I've already told you. I don't know why you're asking me a second time unless, and this was great. This really threw him over the deep end. Unless you want to follow him too? 
And the Pharisees hated that. The Pharisees hated that. They threw the man out of the synagogue and they said this to him. They said, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? You were steeped in sin at birth. There's a passage in Ezekiel chapter 34 where God tells Ezekiel to prophesy against the false shepherds of Israel that are only caring for themselves and not for God's people, not for his sheep. See, in these MI questions, we're going to have people that might hurl some false words to us. And if they're not coming from the gate, then those are words of imposters. There is only one gate, and Jesus is going to show the Pharisees that. In John chapter 10, verse 1, he says this. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. We have different voices that come up in our head or come at us when we are faced with these MI questions. It might, it might be people meaning well. It might be us in our own heads thinking that we got it figured out. But the truth is, if the voice doesn't come from the gate, come from the shepherd, then it's a false shepherd. So Jesus is asking us here, which voices are you listening to? And he gives some examples here. He says, thieves and robbers. When we think about a thief, they're, go they're, they're crafty. They're going about things their way, usually in a covert way where they're trying to be sneaky. They're trying to sneak up. They're trying to lie and to deceive. And then also uses robber. A robber usually goes about their business through violence, through whatever means necessary to bring people down to get what they want. So when we hear these voices that answer back when we ask these MI questions, are they filled with fear, with secrecy, with malice, with gossip? Are they filled with violence? If so, then they're not coming from the gate. They're not coming from the one gate that the shepherd uses. You see, Jesus is coming to us through the gate. Jesus is coming to his people through the gate. When that happens, Jesus leads the way. I don't know if you know much about herding dogs, sheep dogs, but I ran into one situation with my life where I encountered a herding dog. It was straight out of like a rom-com high school movie because it was prom night, junior year. And prom is maybe the first time in a high school boy's life that he cares about what he looks like. You know, like every other morning I wake up, I roll out of bed, put on jeans and a sweatshirt, look in the mirror, say, looking good, and then I walk out the door. But now this time it's like, okay, you ask somebody. I asked somebody to prom and she said yes. I don't know why, but she did. And then like, great, what do I need to do next? I got to get a tux? What's a tux? Where do I go to get a tux? So I chose Men's Warehouse. And do you remember the slogan from Men's Warehouse? You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. I'm still waiting on that guarantee from Men's Warehouse. Because you don't know, it doesn't, it's a rental. It doesn't fit right. 
It's just kind of just laying across my body, but I have no idea. So I'm like, okay, I take it. The color, it matches my date's dress. So I'm told I get a corsage, which when other time in life are you getting a corsage? It comes in that little plastic container. So I have that. And then hopefully when you're going to prom, you can drive or else that's awkward. Or you have a car and you don't have to share it with somebody or else also awkward. So I got the car, borrowed from my parents, vacuumed it out, I wash it, and I show up to my date's house. And this is where it gets fun. Here's me, ill-fitting tuxedo, corsage in hand. Knock on the door. Who answers it? The girl's dad, okay? And next to my date's dad is their border collie dog, right here. And I kid you not, Franklin, this is what my date's dad said. Girl, sniff him. I was like, what, excuse me now? Girl, sniff, the dog comes out, sniffs around me, and I'm wearing, you know, black pants, and there's a white and black dog. I'm trying to look nice. Hair's all over me now. I'm like, what is happening? And then after I get through that line of security, we got to go take pictures in the backyard, even though we're going somewhere else to take pictures. Still don't understand it. And the whole time we're walking through the backyard, the dog is bumping into me and biting at my legs. I'm like, what is the dog doing? And she says, don't worry. She's just hurting you. Like, we are in a back, fenced-in backyard in suburbia, Pennsylvania. Where am I going to go? But the dog was hurting me. And we have this imagery of shepherding in our minds of these cowboys on some big old horse. And they're driving the sheep forward. And around the sheep are dogs biting at their heels, trying to get them back on course. So we hear this imagery of a good shepherd, of a caring shepherd, and we think, What? yelling at us, driving us, waiting for us to mess up. But here's the thing. When Jesus referred to shepherding, they had a different context for the time and place where Jesus was. Instead of shepherding, standing behind the sheep and driving them forward, instead the shepherd would call the sheep. They would know his voice and they would follow him. Jesus leads the way. He leads in the way of his father. So to continue on in what he says, in verse 3, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to the voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. We're going to know the shepherd's voice. It's interesting that it includes that the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them because maybe they had an image of the first kind of shepherd. The first kind of God that's just waiting there for whenever you mess up to yell and scream and bite at your heels until you get back in line. We have this picture of God with a mighty thunderbolt from on high. And the minute that you get away from the path, strikes you down. I know I, I, I've had that image of God in my own life. But instead, what Jesus is offering is a picture of a shepherd that is calling to us. A picture of a shepherd that is wooing us, that is calling us to him, that is asking us to follow his voice and walk in the path that he set for us. So when we follow Jesus... There's some amazing things that happen. When we follow Jesus, we listen to his voice. 
We listen to his voice and we listen for his voice. So when we look at our lives, what can we be doing that allows us to listen for the voice of the shepherd? What rhythms are we putting in place? How are we going out? How are we pursuing what it means to be a follower of God that we listen for and then listen to his voice? It says then that we know our identity. It says the sheep, he knows the name of the sheep, which is amazing. And we might gloss over it, but here's one big old truth right here. The God of the universe, the creator of the heavens and the earth knows your name. He knows who you are individually, which answers some of the am I questions. Am I seen? Am I of any significance at all? Do I matter at all? Well, God's saying, I am. I know your name. Then it also answers some of those identity questions we might wrestle with. Am I the right person? Am I ever going to change? Am I ever going to learn Am I ever going to be what God has in store for me? It doesn't take much to beat ourselves down and to think one certain way about our identity, but the truth about our identity in Christ is that we are his children. We are heirs to the kingdom of heaven. He is for us and not against us. When we follow Jesus, we get to trust his guidance because with that idea of shepherding that he is calling us, Jesus has gone in the path before us. Jesus is calling us to follow the path that he's already set out. And when we do these things, when we listen to his voice, when we know our identity, and when we trust in his guidance, it's then easier to flee from distractions. Because we're going to know what the false voices sound like, what the false shepherds sound like, because we're so in tune with the voice of the good shepherd, the voice of Jesus our Savior. We're able to flee from distractions. So we're now walking in this path. But before we do that, it says that we got we to gotta enter through the gate and that Jesus is the gate. Which is weird at first with where this whole message was going. Because <laughs> we're talking about all of this shepherd imagery and then we're expecting to say that Jesus is a shepherd and he is. But also Jesus is the gate. First and foremost, we got to enter through Jesus. And he says that we will be saved. In verse 7, Jesus continues on. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. When shepherds would bring their sheep into these pens, they would then themselves become the gate. They would lie down in front of the opening so that nothing got into the pen and nothing came out without the shepherd knowing, without the shepherd being aware. And we might be a little bit confused when we hear that when the sheep go out and that when they come in, they have to pass through the gate because we think we're in the pen, we're safety, let's stay in the pen. But God's sending us out to go do work. 
God is sending us out to go and seek and save the lost, to go and bring the most people into his kingdom. And there's a, a proverb. There, in Proverbs chapter 16, it talks all about reconciling our will to God's will. How we may come in with plans and with ideas and a vision for how things should be. But the most important thing is what God's will is. And whenever we go out to do his work, first we have to enter through the gate. Then he talks about us coming in as well. We go out for work, we come in for rest. We're passing that through Jesus as well. Because maybe in times of rest, it's easiest to start to bring up these MI questions because we feel like we might be off track. But when we're passing through the gate, Jesus sets us on the right path to take rest fully in him. And what he offers for us is life to the full. So when we ask these I am questions, there are going to be other voices. There are thieves and robbers that come in only to steal, only to take away, only for violence. But then having life to the full is listening to the voice of the shepherd and knowing who we are in him that we are walking on the path, that we are listening for his voice, that we are fleeing from distractions and we know our full identity in him. We might think that life can be lived to the full on our own path, but really the transformative power of who Jesus is, that's life to the full. Because what Jesus does is he takes our MI questions and he turns them into I am statements. We take the question, am I loved? becomes I am loved. Take the question of am I seen and it turns into I am fully known. Take the question of am I alone and it turns it into I am a child of God. The main thing is that we're saved because we enter through the gate. Now we can rest fully in the statement of who he is, how he is the I am. We take refuge in him. We take refuge in him as we go out and we pass through the gate and as we come back in for rest, knowing that we are saved, we are guided by our shepherd, we are steered in the direction as all good words come through the gate. You see, when Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross for our sins, it allowed us to walk onto that path. Because we weren't walking on the path just by our lonesome. No, we needed some help. We needed all the grace that Jesus offers us. And when we partake in communion together, it's an opportunity to say yes to that love that he has for us, to say yes to the fact that in our I, am I questions, he's saying, well, I am. Because on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is my new covenant. This is my promise to you. This is me laying out the path for you that you can listen to my voice and have life to the full. That's his promise for you. He says, do this 
whenever you drink it in remembrance of me to the king. We might feel discouraged at times if we keep coming up against am I questions. But that's all right. That's all right because we have the family of God around us and we have the voice of God telling us I am. So in those moments, I think the voices are going to want us to feel alone, but God is pointing out you're not alone. You have my family around you. You have me around you. You have the love that binds us all together. So if today you're, you're going through some MI questions, and you'd love some prayer or encouragement or just to talk through it, I'll be down here. I'll be around after service too. Anyone with a name tag would be happy to, to talk and pray with you as well. And if today you feel like you are just way off the path and and you keep getting beat down and you have this vision of God that is just bringing you down and down and down and you feel like you're off course and you're getting punished and whatever it is. No, see, the shepherd's calling you by name to follow in him and follow in his path. If you want to be baptized into the family of God and exist fully in who he is, in the I am, we'd love to celebrate the gift of baptism with you today. But would you stand with me as we close in prayer together? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that in the midst of am I, you answer back, I am. Lord, you are more than enough. More than enough for all of our needs and you're with us and calling us whenever we feel like we're off path. Because, Lord, you're not shouting commands up behind it. You're not shouting commands behind us, but instead you're in front of us. And to get us back on course, you whisper our name. Say, come and follow me. Lord, thank you for this day, for the ability to worship together. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Christ is indeed our firm foundation for us uh, as we sing this last song let's draw your hearts and minds to worship
knock at the door, the gate, and it will be open to you. So just remember that. As you go through your week, seek his goodness. Seek his face. Seek his kindness. Seek his Holy Spirit and seek his love. And find someone to share that with. Amen? So God bless you guys and have a great week.